But today we're going to continue our, our series in 1 Corinthians. Uh, last week we, we fast forwarded to chapter 7 and we talked about marriage. Because uh, 1 Corinthians 7 is about marriage, it's about relationships. And today we're going to talk about singleness. Y'all aren't excited about that. That's all right. That's all right. We'll get there. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a really important thing, and, and Paul gives us great wisdom on that. But let me pray, and we'll dive into the scripture. Father, we love you. We pray that you would, Lord, whatever season of life we're in, Father, for those of us in the season of marriage, help us to, to focus on love and respect in cultivating those things. Father, for those of us who, who are single, help us to focus on trust in you and service to you. And Father, I pray whatever season of life in, we would have a sense of clarity about how to best navigate it. And I pray you would help us. I pray you would bless us. I pray you would fill us with your spirit and fill us with a sense of hope this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever noticed in life that when a situation is, is stressful, you have to give very simple guidance. That that's, that's not the time to, to lecture, that's not the time to get real wordy, but, but it's kind of the, the time to, you, you need just sort of simple instruction because the higher the stress, the higher the difficult, the, the higher the pain, the less you can say. You with me on this? Like my, uh, yesterday my daughter Abby we have this little ottoman, and she's got like this little cloth chair, like kind of like a foam chair, and it was on top of the ottoman, and she climbed up in it and sat in the chair, and she's like, this is my castle. And I was like, I was like oh, so that's your throne. Is it, you know, how do you know about this stuff? Um, and, but, you know, the, the way it was, I was like, you're going to fall off of this thing, you know? Like, this just isn't going to work. You're going to overdo it and fall off and and you know so whenever they're in those situations I'm always like okay you know girls be careful uh, don't do this uh here's what's probably going to happen and amazingly she did not fall off of the throne but she did fall trying to get up to it and then you know hit her mouth and and then she starts to lose her mind and if you haven't seen a two-year-old lose their mind lately let me just kind of remind you or tell you what it's like, there's, there's screaming, there's like breathing that's very labored. And, and I have, and I always have this impulse, like once when I was like, hey, I told you what was going to happen, you know. And my impulse is to go into lecture mode. I know you're surprised by this. Uh, and I'm like, see, yeah, Abby, this is what happens. I, I told you dad's trying to help you out. I'm, I'm not trying to take fun away. Right? I'm trying to give you good constraint. You know, and I want to like lecture. I want to explain. And believe it or not, church, she can't receive it in those moments. Every, every time I, I've tried it, it, it hasn't helped because the emotions, the stress, the pain, it's too high. And, and Allie's so much better, and, and I'm, I'm trying to learn from her. Allie, she'll just be like, breathe, breathe, and then, and then the girls will be like, they'll start, they'll start doing that, and, and it'll start to work, like, you know, I want to preach a sermon to them, uh, shocker, which by the way, by the way, one of my goals in life is like, I, I'm going to punish them by making them listen to me talk for like two hours, like that's what, 
Like when they're teenagers and they mess up, I'm not going to yell. I'm going to be like, all right, we're gonna have, you're going to have a talk with dad. And it's going to be so painful that you'll be like, dad, I'll never do this again in my life. Just stop talking. I cannot wait for that moment uh, in that opportunity. But anyway, but in, in, these early mo- in these early years, I can't go there yet. I can't go there yet. They, they just need, they need very simple and very clear because the stress is high. The, the, the moment is difficult for them. And, and believe it or not, I think that tends to be true in our lives as well. And last week when we, when we looked at, at Paul talking about marriage, marriage can be a stressful thing. Can it, married people? <laughs> there's, there's great blessing to it. There's great reward to it. The highs are high, but the lows are low. Amen? And it can be challenging and difficult. And so, so Paul says, hey, married people, here's your focus. Very simple. There's probably a million things he could talk about, but here's how he directed us. He said, focus on love and respect. Love and respect. If you focus on those, you'll get to where you need to get to. You with me on this? Very, very simple. Now, today, we're going to see that in a similar fashion, he gives us direction in the times of singleness. And it's kind of what, because marriage can be stressful, but singleness can be stressful too, amen? And, and sometimes you, you get, it, when you're in that season, you can get so stressed out about getting out of that season, Anyone? And, and it can preoccupy your thoughts. There's, you're always thinking about it. You're kind of always worrying about it. And, and here's what I want to show today is Paul gives some really helpful guidance for this season in our life. And his, the two words that I would say he calls us to is trust and service. Marriage, the focus is love and respect. Singleness, the focus is trusting God and service to God. Now, in 1 Corinthians, where he explains these things, I have to tell you that this letter is not the easiest to read through and to pull out the ideas. And here's why. Because this letter is a conversation among Paul and the church, but we're only listening to one side of the conversation. Have you ever, you know, maybe a friend is is on the phone or your spouse is on the phone and they're talking and you're listening and you're like, who? Talk to. Oh, okay. okay yeah. Anybody, like, I always need to know. Like, is this, is this any of my business? No, but I need to know, you know, just feel that. And, uh, and, and they'll be like, you know, and, and you'll be listening, and you can get the gist of the conversation many times, can't you? you? You get the gist, but you don't get the whole picture because you're only listening to one side. And when we read the book of 1 Corinthians, and especially in chapter 7, that's kind of like what is going on here. We're hearing Paul. But what we don't have, what we don't have access to, and what we don't know is exactly all the things the Corinthians were asking him. We can kind of piece it together, and that's what I'm going to try and and help us do today. But I think the main things still will become clear with us. So it's a little more challenging in that way. But when Paul talks about singleness, here's the first thing that I, I want us to see today. He shows the dignity of it. Let me show you a verse, Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 6 and 7. Paul says this, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. 
Now, Paul, well, he was single his whole life. Uh, he, he was traveling the world, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel. And in this conversation, they're asking Paul all kinds of questions about marriage, about relationships, about what all that means. And one of the big things Paul says, he says, I wish all were as I am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Now, listen to what Paul is saying. He's saying this, my life calling, singleness in my life, he says is a gift. Now, many of us might not see it that way today. <laughs> You're like, that, that, that is not a gift. And God, I do not want that gift. Um, but what, what Paul is doing here is something really, really significant. Stanley Hauerwas, he's a, a Christian theologian. He says this, one clear difference between Christianity and Judaism and all other traditional religions is the former's entertainment of the idea of singleness as the paradigm of life for its followers. Now, that's just kind of a fancy way is that, that God sees this way of life not as a lesser way of life. Now, during Paul's time, if you were single, society at large looked at your life as inferior. Because in Paul's society, marriage and family were how you really, you know, kind of made sure that you had a, a future, that there were people to take care of. It was just everything was built on that. And, and it was, you were part of a community, and that's how you understood yourself. We're, in our culture, we're a lot more individualistic like that. But here's what Paul is saying. He, he was bringing dignity and showing that, look, God has different callings and different purposes, and, and they don't have to conform to the patterns of the culture around them. And it was a really significant thing to say. In other words, he was saying, if, if, you're, if you're single, you're not less than. It's not an inferior way of life. In other words, you, you can live a fully fulfilled life in the same way that Paul did. You with me on this? Now think about something interesting about Christianity. Jesus, the central figure, was not married, did not have a family. No matter what the Da Vinci Code says, it's stupid. Uh, not true. <laughs> Didn't have a family, wasn't married. The Apostle Paul, one of the most significant figures, again, wasn't married, did not have a family, but yet they both lived fulfilled lives in service to God. Now, I think our world, we're not as traditional as, as Paul's world, but I still do think we, we tend to glorify romantic love in our world. You know, some of you, anybody remember that movie, Jerry Maguire? You what? You complete me. Show me the money. That's another great part. Anyway, but, but you remember that movie, You Complete Me. And, and what is, and this is so much a message in our culture, that, that I need someone, I need the love of someone else to complete me, right? That's the message. I'm incomplete without someone else loving me. Now, here's what the scriptures would say. That's not true. The love of someone else is a blessing. The love, that's good, but you're not incomplete without it. You with me on this, church? This is what Paul is helping us to see, that, that God loves you. That the completeness 
of, of your soul comes from his love, not someone else's. Because here's the truth, and if you're married, you know this, if you're looking for your spouse to complete you, it's not going to happen. Amen? Or if you're like, you, yeah, maybe you went into marriage and you're like, all right, I am going to be completed. And then you're 5, 10 years, 15 years, and are you completed yet? No. No. Because that, that's, that's, that's not God's design. You with me on this? And so Paul brings great dignity to this, and he says marriage is a gift. It's one kind of gift. He says singleness is a gift. Now, if you're thinking today, and you're like, okay, I, I understand that, but I do not want that gift. Like, do not, don't put that on me. I don't want that gift. Uh, let, let, let's not talk about, here's what I want you to know. If that's your heart, then it's probably not your gift. You with me on this? So relax. If, if, that, if, that's, if that's on your heart, then you're like, no, man, I, I long uh, one day to be married, or I long to have a family, then, then that, that, that's probably not for you. One of my best friends, he was, uh, at this time, he was in his late 30s, and he had just had a string of failed relationships. And a good man, I mean, just a high-quality man, and, he, and the people he dated were good people. Like, it wasn't, it just didn't work, you know? And, and I remember us, we were out to dinner or out to coffee, something, and he was just, like, sharing his soul. He's like, Chet, he's like, man, I really, I really feel in my heart that I should be married and have kids one day. Like, he, he had a, a real sense of clarity about it. And, it, and, it what, and he felt that it was from God. It wasn't, you know, just sort of in his own mind, but, but there's something deeper to it. But he was getting to this point in life, and he, and he, was, and he was feeling frustrated, and, and he was doubting, and he was feeling a little bit confused. Um, and, I, and, you know, I just kind of remember just sort of letting him talk a little bit, but just sort of affirming, like, hey, God, God is good, and God is trustworthy, and God puts desires in our heart for a reason. Now, not every desire in your heart is good. I'm not saying that, right? They're, those desires to be selfish, okay, those aren't, those are the reason for those to get them out of there. Uh, not every desire, but those noble desires that are God-glorifying, that, that are, are serving God, those are good. And so, Here's just what I, I, I want to say today. If, if that desire is in your heart, then I think you can trust that that's from God. And that as you're in this season, if you're in this season, then approach it with a deep trust in Christ. Here's the best way. If you're in a season of singleness, but you're like, man, I, I really think God... Um, has something different for me, then I believe that he does. And the best way to approach it is with a pervasive trust in Christ. Psalm 138, I've been meditating on this psalm a lot this week. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I just, I love those words. And I think this is true in every area of your life. The Lord will fulfill his purpose. What, What is the psalmist saying? It's not up to you. You might be thinking, oh, I don't want to mess up God's plan. Don't worry, you're not that strong. <laughs> All right? Don't relax. The Lord will fulfill it. What, what, if I, what, if I, what if they, Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright came in my life and I, and I missed them? And now my moment's gone. Relax. The Lord will fulfill his purpose. I mean, we give ourselves way too much credit in some regards. 
And what we need to do is give God more credit. And, 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 and go into, if you're in a single, season of singleness today, go into it out of a place of abundance. What I mean by that is this pervasive trust that God will get your life to where he wants it in his way, in his time. Sometimes, church, one of the real dangers in this season is settling into relationships that aren't healthy because you're afraid you got to take whatever comes. You hear that? So sometimes one of, one of the greatest dangers is when, when you're in a sea, the season of singleness and you're, and you're not pervasively trusting God, you're freaking out about it. And don't worry, we've all been there. Um, it, it's natural, it's normal, but, but here's what I want to encourage you to do is to set your standards high, is to trust. Look, single people, if you're dating someone and they're a jerk, call them after church, said, see you later. <laughs> My pastor said to dump you. <laughs> and I'll get some big guys in the church with me to, to you know, help me out here. <laughs> um. Because here, here's the deal, man. Set your sights high. Don't, look, the, if you're married and it's tough, you work it out, right? You endure. If you're dating and it's tough, you move on. Do you see the difference? And, and, here, and here's why you're free to do it, because God has a good plan for your life. God's got good people that he wants to send your way, and you can trust him to do it. You with me on this? Let me just show this one more way. Matthew 7, verse 11. Jesus said this. If you then who are evil know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What did Paul say? Marriage, singleness, they're a gift. They're a gift. From who? From your heavenly Father. What kind of gifts does he give? Mediocre ones? No. He gives good gifts. Bottom of the barrel gifts? No. He gives good gifts. You with me, church? Now, it, if, if you're a parent, I think this really resonates with you. But if not, let me, we, I told you last week, we, we took our girls to Great Wolf Lodge, had an amazing time. And when we got there, they were eating a snack, and some kid ran up with a wand. And they waved it in front of, like, this picture or something, and it lit up with colors, and it made noise. And Emmy and Abby saw it and about lost their mind. I kind of did too. I was like, that is really cool. And, uh, and, and all over Great Wolf Lodge are these little stations where you can buy a wand and you wave it and it does something cool and the kids lose their mind, you know? And, and as soon as they saw it, this was like, like five minutes of us being there. In my heart, I was like, oh, we're getting those wands. You know what I'm saying? And here's what, here's what I knew about them, right? They're going to be uh, astronomically overpriced. Once we leave here, the kids are never going to think about them or see them again, you know? Like, uh, you, you know all that stuff, but, but what do you want to do? You want to bless your children. It's fun. Amen? You're like, yeah, let's get these things. Let's wave them. Let's Harry Potter this whole place. And we did. And, and it, it was awesome. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look, you're a radically imperfect father, right? I'm, I'm a broken man, got lots of issues. We can talk about that, but let's move on. Um, and, 
And, but I still, I know the del- delight that Jesus is talking about. But your heavenly father is perfect. He's perfect. It is his delight to give you good gifts in your life. Here's what I want you to know. You can trust him. Now, I can't promise you that the journey is always going to be easy. I can't promise you that the journey isn't going to have ups and downs, twists and turns. But I can promise you that your heavenly father gives good gifts to his kids. And so, in this season, I want you to hold that deep in your heart. You with me on this? And then Paul talks a little bit about the practice of singleness. Now, let me just share a few verses from this here. Paul says, 117, he says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Now, again, we're, we're piecing together this conversation, but, but this is one of the principles that you will see all throughout 1 Corinthians 7, is, is that Paul says, before you try to move on from your station of life or the relationships that you're in, try to bloom where you're planted. Do you hear that? Have you, have you ever let a season of life pass because you were so focused on getting out of it into the next season? You ever done that? Have, have you ever... Have you ever missed windows of your life because you were so fixated on the next window of life? And and Paul's saying, before you get too antsy, God has us in certain seasons and times because God wants us there for a reason. One of the themes that we see throughout the scripture is these, these desert seasons of life. And these desert seasons of life, no one... No one wants to be there, right? None of us go home and then book vacation. You're like, where are you going to go? I'm going to go in the middle of the desert. Sounds like a great place. No one does that uh, because the desert's not, not a great place to be. But yet what we see so many times is that those are the seasons that God uses to prepare leaders, to prepare people for his calling, his purpose, and they're necessary. And so what I want to encourage you today is don't rush the season that you're in and don't waste it longing to be in another season. Instead say, all right, Lord, in this season of my life, and this is true outside of signal, this is just a good principle in general, how can I bloom where I'm planted? And if you live life always thinking the grass is greener on the other side, you will miss some of the blessings that God has right in front of you. And in our culture, it's easy to do that because we've got options left and right. We've got opportunities left and right. And so you can spend your life just hopping onto the next passing thing. But I'm telling you, there's wisdom, there's power, and there's blessing in being and learning to be rooted where God has you. You with me on this? And again, trusting him in that. Here's the second principle. Paul says this, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man or woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And God's standards are much easier. Just, just, kid, just kidding. I'm, t- I'm totally kidding. 
I'm told, you know I had to say something there. That's just like a softball. The married man's like, no, let me, I will serve the Lord. My wife is way more, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's not funny, guys. Let's stay on track here. (laughs) Here's what he's saying. Uh, And and this this is the main point. He's saying singleness as a season or a calling, it provides a unique opportunity to serve God. In other words, single people, Paul's saying, how are you using the season of your life? Here's what he's saying. Number one, trust God. Number two, serve God. Now, what we learn from sociology is that most people don't start getting serious about their relationship with God until they're married and have kids. Which when you're married and have kids, your margin goes down. (laughs) You, you, it's, it's the most difficult time to really be engaged in serving God. You with me on this? Because what happens is we kind of just like, we, we float through those times and seasons and we, we're focused on all these other things. Now listen, any season that you decide to serve God, that's a great season. But, but here's what Paul's showing us. This is a unique, it creates unique opportunity. Why? Because we have time. We have energy. And, and we, we can have a primary focus. So here's what Paul's saying. What do you do in that season? You figure out how to serve God with a higher level of intensity, of passion, and commitment. You with me on this? John Stott, he's one of my kind of heroes in the faith, and he was a, a pastor in England, in London, and he ended up becoming a, a very... Um, well-known author um, in the Christian community, and he was single his whole life. Uh, I think he died in his late 80s. And he said that he realized that for him, it was, singleness was not just a season, but it was a calling. He said, but because he began to understand that, he, get, he was able to give his life to the kingdom of God in a different way than a lot of other people. And he did. He led an amazing church in London. He also wrote a ton of stuff. And like to this day, if I get my hands on a John Stott book, I'm excited about it. I know there's going to be just great insight. In other words, he, he used that margin, that opportunity, and he used it in the way Paul's talking about. And here's what it did. It built up the kingdom of God. Here's what you might not realize. Single people, you have so much to offer the kingdom of God. You may not, we need you. We need what you have to offer. We, we need your insight, your energy, your passion, your perspective. You, you may not feel like you're like, oh, what, what do I have to offer, uh, you know, on the table? Believe it or not, what Paul said, you have a ton to offer. In fact, you, you in some ways have more to offer than people like me. Uh, and, and so utilize that opportunity, church. See, understand it that way and take advantage of it. And then this last, one more principle here. Paul says this, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she's free to be married to whom she wishes. And he says, but only in the Lord. Now here's, again, we're, we're piecing this conversation together. We're piecing these principles together, but, but let me 
pull out what I think Paul is saying to us today. If you're single, I want to encourage you, date with a different value system than the rest of the world. Hear me out on this. You may, you may, not, you may disagree. That's fine. Just hear me out. That's all I'm asking is a hearing. Date with a different value system. When you, when you read, there's, there's actually studies on why we, you know, why we choose the people that we choose to date. Do you know what the two top reasons are? Money and looks. I knew Allie was after my money from day one. I knew it. I just saw how disappointing that turned out to be. <laughs> no, but, but this true. Money, that, so that, so what we can gather from that is that that is the, those are the two primary values that our culture tells us to look for in someone we're trying to date. Now, I don't think those should be one and two. How about you? <laughs> You're with me? Amen. Yeah. I think, so here's what Paul says. He says, only in the Lord. Here's what is most important. Looking for someone that shares your faith. That, that wants to grow and grow with you in Christ. Now, here's why. Let me just give you, let me explain this a little bit. We cannot change each other. You don't want to go into marriage trying to change the other person. Have you ever noticed when, when someone tries to change you and you kind of like pick up on it and you feel it? What, what do you do? You probably get more stubborn to it. If you're like, I see what you're doing. I'm going to make this twice as hard. Or is that just my brokenness? I don't know. I like to think it's yours too, whether it is or not. But, but, but you, you cannot, we, we can't change each other, church. But marriage requires that we change. You can't be in a healthy marriage and stay the same person that you are when you start Verse 1 or 5 or 10 or 20 or 30 years down. You need to change and you need to keep changing. Where does that power come from? Where does that motivation come from? It can't come from you. Unless you want to just hit your head against a wall. All the, it, 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 You want it to come from God. And if it's coming from God, guess what? You both will be walking in the same direction. Now, you, you may start pretty far apart, but as God works in you, as God works in your spouse, you're actually going to come together more and more, and it will be driven by God. It won't be driven by you. And whether you know it or not, that's what you really want. That's what you really need. So date with a different value system. You with me? Build community. Here's the second thing. Build community around you. Season of singleness, you know what you need? You need good friends. You need good friends. You need people that love you, that support you, that challenge you, and ultimately that point you towards Christ. You, need, you, you want people around you that are not just an echo chamber in your life. If the only people around you affirm everything you think and everything you do, 
they're not the friends you need. You need friends that love you, but will call out the best in you. You with me? Now, I know in our world we think, well, if, if someone doesn't agree with me, they don't love me. Wrong. Totally wrong. Al and I, we love each other. We disagree all the time. <laughs> Married people, same for you, but you love each other. That, but what are you doing? You're, you're bringing out the best in each other over time. And we need friendships like that. We need, and we need to... We need to be looking for people who can bring wisdom into our life, not just confirmation bias. I already think this, and oh, yep, you agree with me too, great. No, we need wisdom. You with me on this? Now, let me, let me just end with this. When I, was, uh, when I was a kid, I was always um, a bit of a roughhouser, and, and I think it was because I grew up with uncles that would always roughhouse with me. Anybody have any of those? You know, we'd wrestle and stuff. But one of the, the main things that we would do is we would slap box. Anybody familiar with this? Slap boxing? Yeah, okay. I guess apparently it's not as cool as it used to be. Uh, but we but, but we do it. And and I was probably I, I was probably like eight or nine or ten. And my uncle would always slap, but he lived with us for a number of years, so there was always plenty of opportunity for this. And uh, and, and we would get into it, and he was, you know, he was a grown man. Um, so he would get the best of me, and, uh, you know, and he had a longer reach than I did, um, and at that age, I, I did not like losing. I was very competitive, and I, did, I, didn't always, I didn't always handle it in the right ways. I've grown a lot since then. I'm very different now. I don't know why you guys are shaking your heads back there. I'm very different, but, but at that age... I didn't like to lose. I was very competitive. And so I had this idea in my mind. I thought, you know what? The next time he starts to slap box with me, he was a righty. I'm going to block his right hand because, you know, that's going to come soon. And then someone had told me, if you punch someone in the gut, you knock the wind out of them. I said, that sounds like a good theory. Um, I know it's like to have the wind knocked out of me. That's not fun. So I thought, I don't know if this is allowed in slap boxing or not, but, you know, I've never gotten an official rule book. So I thought, I'm going to block with my right hand. In church, I'm a lefty. Any lefties in here? Yep, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch him as hard as I can with my left hand. In church, I had it in my mind. The moment came, we were in the kitchen. He started, I said, I'm ready for you. And I blocked it, and I balled up my left hand, and as hard as like an eight-year-old can punch, I nailed him in the gut. He was shocked. He took a couple steps back. He did that thing when you get the wind knocked out. You know? And I just stared at him in triumph. Um, we never slap box again after that. Was it ethical? I don't know. I don't care. Um, one of my proudest moments. Here's what I know. Here's what I know, and especially in this season of singleness, here's what I know. Doubt is going to come for you, and it's going to try and slap you around. Doubt is going to try to come for you. Here's what it means. It's going to be the doubt is, is God really good? Is he really a good father that gives good gifts? To me, his son, or to me, his daughter. 
Can I really, can I really trust him? Or do I got to figure this out? Doubt is going to come. It is going to come without question in your life. Here's what I believe about doubt. Doubt is a disease. It, 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 will, it will push you in the wrong way. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to know that it's going to come. And I want you to be ready to block it and punch it square in the gut. <laughs> you with me? And, 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 to, and to knock it back. And, and here's how you do it. I want you in those moments where doubt comes and it starts to attack you and it starts to mess with you. And, and you just begin, you begin to question God's goodness and God's purpose and God's love and God's faithfulness to you. And you start just wigging out in your own mind and heart. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to fight back. And I want you to fight back with God's words to you. Psalm 27, 13, it says this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see it. Doubts come. But here's what I know. I will see God's goodness. I will see it. It's not if, it's when. It will come in the land of the living. Psalm 138. He will fulfill his purpose for me. I don't got to figure it all out. I'm not big enough to mess it all up. He will fulfill it. Matthew 7. I'm going to fight back. He is a good father that give, gives good gifts to his sons and his daughters. And I want you to fight the doubt. I want you to swing back. I want you to push it out of your life. Because it won't help you. It's full of lies. And it will lead you down a path that is different than the one that the Lord has for you, which is a good one. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is faithful. You are a God who is good. You are a God, Lord, who delights to give good gifts to every person in this room today. Lord, maybe some of us, we look forward to that day when you have that gift of uh, that person that you have for us. But until that day comes, Lord, let us be filled with trust for you. Oh, Lord, how evil loves to make us question your goodness, but help us to fight back. I pray, Father, that the season that we're in, that we would use it to serve you. We wouldn't waste it, but we would see it as a unique opportunity. And I pray, Father, that we would, each of us, Lord, and for those of us in different seasons, maybe it's a tough season of marriage, Lord. This is all true for us, too. Help us to fight back the doubt. Help us to fight back the fear. And help us to trust in the goodness of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.